Hello and welcome to the Benchwarmer, where I, Anik Ahmed, delve into the world of the National Basketball Association, otherwise known as the NBA. Now, this is my first episode, and a few things I would like to point out is that I am a huge, huge Knicks fan. I am an NBA fan. Uh, the earliest NBA game I could really, really remember is probably when the Chris Paul trade was happening. So it was around like 09, 08. I do remember, I remember have memories of AI and Prime Shaq and all that. But really, I even have an old Allen Houston jersey from when I was a kid. But aside the point, my favorite, I guess, playoff that I've ever seen is probably the 2011 Mavs run. Uh, my favorite player is Sean Livingston. Yes, that's right. Sean Livingston. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Like, what? That's a star player. What, are you, what is this guy talking about? Why should I even listen to him? Well... Honestly, I love to see how Sean Livingston plays. He plays with his head. That's why I have so much respect for the Spurs. But regardless, I love how Sean Livingston has played. I really hope that, honestly, I've, well, not even my whole, I wish that he actually had more of a presence in the NBA. But his injury in college derailed that. But he's made a great career out of it. He played some great games for the Celtics. He played some great games for the Nets. And now he's a freaking champion on the Golden State Warriors. So, Sean Livingston is my favorite player as of right now. Other notable players I do love are Dirk, of course. Um, I really enjoyed Steve Novak for what he did for the Knicks. Uh, I love Tim Duncan, Manu, uh, the whole Spurs organization. Uh, And yeah, that's pretty much it off the top of my head. You know, everyone could say Derrick Rose, LeBron James, but... And you and I and I applaud those guys for what they've done, but really, those are my personal favorites. But without further ado, let's go into the podcast. So, first thing I want to talk about is the Knicks head coaching options. So far, I believe we have twelve candidates, ranging from Mark God Awful Jackson to Kenny DeJet Smith from Inside the NBA. I really hope they don't break up that crew, but we'll see how it goes. And to Mike Budenholzer, who just got off from the Atlanta Hawks. Now, you're probably wondering why. Why should I care about Mike Budenholzer? I actually not hear much about this guy. Because, really, I have, like, short-term memory like every other sports fan. But, um, in case you guys did not know, was that Mike Budenholzer was a disciple of Greg Popovich the GOAT coach for the San Antonio Spurs. And he left and joined the Atlanta Hawks. And what happened was he got four All-Stars in 2014. He did that with the Hawks, who are literally, quote-unquote, the best NBA team. That's a joke for a lot of you guys that don't know. And really, Mike Budenholzer, he's great at developing players. He did well with Tim Hardaway Jr. back when he was with the Hawks. Did well with Dennis Schroeder, uh, Teague. You know, he's really, he's a good developmental coach. And he's defense first, which is what the Knicks are preaching. Defense, patience. We're in a full rebuild. I cannot be, like, more excited because he's one of the top candidates. 
I'm really excited to see if Mike chooses us or the Bucks. Personally, I think that he would choose the Bucks over us because Giannis is a generational talent. Uh, KP's not there as of yet. You know, he's coming off an injury. There's some risk of if he's going to be the same player or not. I understand that. And really, is Giannis Antetokounmpo the guy who did the... Oh, oh, oh sorry. Trying to burp while I talk, but he's it's the guy that took game seven to the Celtics with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. And really, he averaged like 30 points in that series. This kid's still young, and if Milwaukee doesn't pull up a great coach for him, which I do not understand why Milwaukee is not interviewing Budenholzer yet. It's it's a little crazy to me, but um I really hope. He goes somewhere that really appreciates him. I really hope he goes to the Knicks. But overall, I'm just happy for Mike to get out of the shithole tanking situation known as the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, other candidates that come to my mind are David Fitzdale, who is really popular for his quote and being, well, very player connected. The quote is, don't rook us, you know. He's a guy that really vouches for his players. He really cares about his players. And before the Memphis Grizzlies actually went into like a dumpster fire like they are right now, he was doing well with them. But I don't know why they're going to bring back uh, Baker Staff again as a coach. I don't know what the Memphis Grizzlies are really doing. Are they really going to ride uh, Mike Conley and what's his face? Oh, Wesley Johnson, was it? Uh, I probably messed that uh, name up, but... I don't know what the Grizzlies are doing, but David Fitzdale, he's a fan favorite. But I think everyone's second choice for us to choose as head coaches. The man himself, the man who was ousted by LeBron, David Blatt. Now, I know what you guys might be thinking. It's like, oh, David Blatt? He didn't do much for the Cavaliers. Are you kidding me? Ty Lue won the championship for the Cavaliers. Well, all you guys, you're wrong. David Blatt has won in every single level of his career in basketball. He literally brought a Euro team. I don't remember what team it was. I think it was a Turkish team. Don't quote me on that one. But he assembled a low-level Turkish team. Again, don't quote me on the Turkish part. A low-level Euro team and brought them to the first championship game as of right now. He's still coaching, but he has a championship game coming up right now. That's in the Euro League, which is within the second best basketball league in the world. The man has talent. The man believes that he hasn't been able to show his full potential as an NBA coach. He I literally listened to the Zach Lowe podcast where he interviewed David Blatt and David Blatt literally said, oh no, no, it was not David Blatt. It was the GM of the Cavaliers whose name is escaping me right now. I'm sorry about that. I'll get better as time goes on. But regardless, it said that David Blatt was supposed to lead a young team consisting of Andrew Wiggins, Kyrie Irving, and... For some reason, Anthony Bennett. That was their core. That's what Cleveland got for their first round picks, for their top lottery picks. 
that's a that's actually a decent core. Andrew Wiggins, yes, he has not been phenomenal on the Wolves. Yes, he has not developed into LeBron 2.0. Yes, he he's a volume shooter right now. He can do so much more. He has tools to be the new LeBron, but has not panned out. But the potential's there. Personally, I think Andrew Wiggins is being squandered by T- Tom Thibodeau, but that's a whole other thing. Kyrie is Kyrie, you know. He's the number one guy, and I really think that Kyrie would have benefited under David Blatt's tenure a little bit more. But I digress. Anthony Bennett, I have no idea what to say about him. He's not even in the league anymore. That's a little absurd, but aside from that, David Blatt was supposedly given full control of the Cavs until LeBron made his decision 2.0, the return to the land, and that changed everything up. The Cavaliers went from a rebuild to a win-now mode, with LeBron coming back to the Cavaliers. And midway through the season, LeBron basically ousted David Blatt, and he, you know, he spread like a lot of rumors apparently, but honestly, I believe that David Blatt deserves a second chance, as does everyone else. Really, I'm just happy with those are the top three candidates for the Knicks. I cannot be any more happier that the front office is really taking their time with it. I have not seen an extensive search in my tenure as a Knicks fan in a very, very long time. I just hope that we don't choose Mark Jackson because, man, that's, that's not a good look for anyone. But I have to give credit where credit is due. Scott Perry and Stephen Mills, they're doing a phenomenal job. They they got rid of Carmelo Anthony, who's really just being hated and roasted on right now because the Oklahoma City Thunder just got first round exit by the Utah Jazz, who is being led by the rookie, who I believe should be the rookie of the year. Donovan Mitchell. Spitta is really, really lighting it up, and he lit up a fire on the Thunder. The Thunder were supposed to make a lot of noise this year. Everyone literally said when that trade happened between the Pacers and Thunder that, oh, wow, Pacers got fleeced. Now, Victor Oladipo has proven himself as a legit star. A star that could take LeBron to Game 7. A star where the Pacers, who were predicted to be in the bottom, to be a lottery draft pick team this year. And yet, they somehow took LeBron James and the ailing Cavs to a Game 7 series. He makes everyone better. Oladipo, yeah, he might not have had a Great star in the playoffs, but he really fits strong. Sabonis, he's going to be a stud. He's going to live up to his dad's namesake. You know, for those of you who don't know about his dad, his dad has one of the highest ring efficiency stats ever. Even though he came to the NBA as like a late 30s, early 30s, actually. He came to NBA late. He wasn't shown his full potential. And even in Sabonis' draft interview, his father really hopes that really thinks, actually, that his son's going to be better than him. But with that being said, everyone thinks that the Thunder fleeced the Pacers, as we know now that that may not be the case. And now they believe that 
at the time that Carmelo Anthony, it's still a win for us since we got rid of Melo, who really has kind of been a cancer to the Knicks for some time now, that we got rid of him and got Dougie McBucket, um, <laughs> McDermott, ooh, sorry, and we also got Ennis Cantor. Really, from the perspective of a Knicks fan, I think it's a win. You know, Ennis, we might let him walk this year. He can't really defend. You can't really play in playoffs. But, man, did him and KP tear it up in that first half of the season. Dougie McBuckets actually had some great games, too. I remember in a couple games, he hit some late threes, and it gave us the win. He had, like, a career high. Honestly, like, you really can't say we lost that trade. Even though we traded... Dougie for Emmanuel Moutier and swapped a second rounder. Emmanuel Moutier still has potential. I know he's been garbage. I know that. But really, I believe that if we had the right talent, we could develop him into something at least. A backup point guard. Frank's my still man. Frank's my top dog. You know, he's going to be the point guard of the future. I'm not doubting anyone on that. Um, but suffice to say, in hindsight, everyone thought that Sam Presti is the greatest GM in the NBA. And while that may have been true in the past, I do not believe so at all. The man had James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook on the same team. And yes, that's not a fault of Sam Presti. It's just how luck and the snake played out. But if you can't get it done with three, well, potentially three, but I know James Harden's going to win it. Potentially three MVP candidates while they were young. I don't know what to say, man. I really don't know. And now with the Paul George and Melo situation where Melo literally had a negative net rating. I think he had like a, what, a negative 23 average this playoffs he wasn't able he was breaking shots left and right all he really did was do the jab step and iso and it just did not fall i don't know what to say about carmelo anthony because i think i speak for everyone even as a knicks fan who's really enjoyed him in his prime especially when he dropped that 62 game 62 point game that holds the knicks record man to see how far Carmelo has fell, it's crazy. You know, back when LeBron and Carmelo were first drafted, everyone was saying that Carmelo and LeBron are going to battle it out for the next stages of the career. Boy, were we wrong. Like, the only time Carmelo actually came close was when he took the Knicks to the second seed with a veteran Knicks team with J.R. Smith as our sixth man and Amari just coming off an injury but honestly I I don't know what to say everyone wants him to lead the bench like Dwayne Wade did and is still doing with Miami and now he himself says he's not coming off the bench it's, it's very disappointing to see how far Melo has gone he was a great positive asset. But now he has 28 million. He, he He's doing horrible. He can't get shots to go in. So that makes his contract a whole negative. Oh, and by the way, he also has a no, no trade clause. 
as one of the hardest contracts you have to move right now. I think it's comparable to Luel Deng or even Joakim Noah. <laughs> Actually, I don't think it's worse than Joakim Noah's, but we'll see how time tells. But really, Carmelo Anthony, I, I'm severely disappointed in him. Uh, what I believe is going to happen with the Thunder is that, well, they're on the record right now to say that, at least through a Bleacher Report um, articles, that they want to get rid of Carmelo Anthony. But I don't know what teams are going to take him with that contract. And plus, you have to add in the factor that even if a tanking team like the Magic, the Hawks, even if they want Carmelo, he has to say yes. That's 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 the that's the that's like being in prison. You know, you're imprisoned by this contract, by that no trade clause that Phil Jackson gave him. It's like, it seems like even after Phil Jackson's gone, he's still screwing people over. And that's the hilarious part of it all. I gotta give credit where credit is due, and I believe that everyone else should, is that give credit to Scott Perry and Stephen Mills of the New York Knicks uh, front office. The way that we pulled that trade, regardless it would have been a net positive, but the way it's looking now, oh man, give it where credit is, credit is due. These guys, they were able to get Melo, Carmelo Anthony, who had a marginal upside you know, as a 20-point-per-game player who was still, I guess, you could say, quote-unquote, a borderline all-star last season with the Knicks. But that's just because he was a good player on a bad team. Now, he's regressed so much where he's a bad player on a good team. Man, that's, that's something hard to say. You know, watching the man really come up for the Knicks, even if we had to gut his roster, it's... It's kind of crazy to see like, how it all unfolded. I don't know what the Thunder are doing. It also comes down to, you know, Paul George. Paul George is a one-year rental at this point, but they made the trade and they want to keep Paul George. Sam Presti says that he's encouraged by the dialogue with Paul George, you know. And I honestly believe that Paul George does want to stay in Oklahoma. But the only way to do that, only way to keep him is to get rid of Carmelo Anthony and get some other positive assets. I also don't I also do not believe that it's just Russell Westbrook's fault. That it is Russell Westbrook's fault. I believe that there's a lot of problems within the OKC Thunder. It's not just Melo. It's not just playoff P turning into push off P. Russell Westbrook does not have that much great basketball IQ. And I believe that's because and it's been hinted at before. You know, it's because when Kevin Durant left to join the Golden State Warriors, if you look at if you hear about the rumors about KD having multiple Instagram accounts, such as Queer Suthan, him saying that he cannot win with these cats. Do you know who he's talking about? He's talking about Russell Westbrook. It's kind of insane to insinuate, even back then, that the whole reason why OKC wasn't winning was because of Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook's play style revolves around him, I guess you could say, playing hero ball, even if, you know, his teammates are shooting better. There are a lot of times where, 
you know, Russell Westbrook could have made a pass. You know, he could have he could have got, uh, gathered the defense on him by going driving into the paint, then passing it back. But no, he just tries going for the layup, and it just does not work out well. Um, his defense, I I would say it's like decent. It's not that great, but really, if you if you really want me to pinpoint it down, it's the offense that revolves around Russell Westbrook. I guess you could say it's similar to how LeBron facilitates the offense and it revolves around him as well. But the main difference between LeBron and Russell Westbrook is because LeBron's basketball IQ is so high that the fact that he makes everyone get good open looks while Russell Westbrook does not, that's the main difference. Surround Russell Westbrook with shooters. Teach him how to pass the ball. I think OKC could be like a contender. An official one. With the right pieces, of course. You know, the big three should be Steven Adams, Paul George, Russell Westbrook. Melo's not even he's not even there. Um But I don't know if Russell Westbrook is willing to change his game that much. I do not know if emotion based offense is reliable for the Thunder. So it's kind of paining me to say. I'm not I'm not even a huge Russell Westbrook fan. I personally do not believe that he should have won the MVP last year, even if he got a triple-double. I'm one of those people who you might say is a fool because, you know, I'm going to say that he stat-padded last year, and I believe so he did this year. He's... I don't believe he's an MVP. Like, I don't think he should have won, and... Really, a lot of problems boil down to Russell Westbrook's stagnant ISO offense to, I guess, the organization's point of that everything had to facilitate with Russell, not trusting the other teammates. I think it's a shame that Russell Westbrook is playing with such a, I guess you could say, outdated offense mainly because if you look at the offense of Golden State Warriors, if you look at the Timberwolves, even if you look at the Rockets, um, I'm going to say the Raptors, but I, I know they choked last night. We'll get into that in a moment, but look at the Cavs. They're all motion-based. You know, they pass to other teammates to get good open looks. They set screens. They set, they split up. It's, they play physical defense. Back to my point. They play defense. The teammates actually move around just so that the other players on the team can get good looks. That's a fantastic way to play. I don't know if Russell Westbrook and the Thunder can achieve much right now because Russell Westbrook's turning 28. He's 28 turning 29. In in five years, I I'm not sure how his game's going to evolve. I don't know what they're going to do right now. How they can move Carmelo Anthony, especially if he has the NTC with there, with his contract. It's all it's looking a little bleak for the Thunder. I will say that. Um, but enough about the Thunder. Right now, I guess I'll talk about. The game that really, really upset me last night. 
that would be the Raptors versus the Cavaliers. Or should I say, the Cleveland LeBrons. Because really, without LeBron, they wouldn't even be in the playoffs. Uh, first things first, the Raptors choked. I really wish that someone at least showed up to play. Because in the second quarter, they were up by like 15. It was like... It was a great game for the Raptors. And then the Cavaliers slowly came up. And then one thing I noticed within the third and fourth quarter, especially the fourth quarter, oh my lord. Jonas Valanciunas missed point-blank range. Yes, I know there was a couple like defenders on him right in the back. But he missed easy lay-ins. He missed 11 of those shots. If the Raptors are really getting shook by LeBron because he dad he he basically makes them their their sons. That's what LeBron does to the Raptors continuously for the past two years. This is gonna be a third year straight. While the Cavaliers are at their weakest point ever, while LeBron's playing his hardest ever, he has to drop forty five points, forty points just to actually make it. And the Raptors are choking while they are the first seed. I thought we were done and over this. I thought Terry Slots coached this out of you. What is wrong with you? Like, DeMar DeRozan's thousand-yard stares just on screens everywhere, and I just felt that man's pain. It's like, again, again, we're going to get swept by LeBron. He's going to sun us one more time. Man, that game really disappointed me. You had no idea. You have no idea. But aside from Valanciunas missing 11 of those easy lay-ins after getting a rebound, one time they even had like three chances after getting the rebound and still didn't catch a shot. Everyone was missing shots in that game. LeBron went for like 6 for 17 field goal range. My lord. I really wish Kyle Lowry like, and DeMar DeRozan showed up for the last half of the game. It's like in overtime, they just lost gas and they couldn't make it. Someone please get CJ Miles out of the game. It's insane why he's even there. He's a negative asset at this point. He's not doing much for the Raptors. And I'm kind of sad about that. Uh, the Raptors bench played well. Fred Van Fleet had shoulder problems. You know, He even took the game-winning shot, but it's shoulder problems that are giving him such a, a lack of mobility to say. Everyone just needs to stop the game. They can't be shook by LeBron. You know, I understand it, but man, Kevin Love just looked so subpar yesterday. The only reason why the Cavaliers even actually got in points was because of, I would say, JR's hot streak, because he's on and off with it. You know, while he's not busy untying shoots, he's really, like, if he's on point, he's on point. You've seen it with the Pacers series where he hit that half court shot like nothing. You have to be careful about J.R. Smith. You have to guard him well when he's shooting. And when he gets high, he gets real hot. Kyle Culver really is showing up in this series. But Kyle Culver is probably the most consistent teammate, I believe so, right now in the playoffs <laughs> for LeBron. Well, he he his three-point shooting is just amazing. You can't stop Kyle Culver because he's automatic. He's like Andre Kirilenko. It's just automatic. He just shoots, shoots, shoots. And he and that will hurt you guys in the long run. 
Um, who else was stand out? Oh my lord. So did the Kardashian curse just go away? Because, man, if uh, if dicking down a uh, thought really does help, man, Tristan Thompson, you should just do it all the time. Because, wow, he showed up. He showed up last game for the Pacers. This game, Tristan Thompson has arrived. He, he, I don't know what happened. Maybe him and, uh, uh, let's say, um, Andrew... Uh, uh, let's go Anthony Bennett switched bodies like Goku and the Ginyu Force and now Tristan Thompson's back in his body and he's making plays. He's getting rebounds. He's showing up. You know, I cannot say that Tristan Thompson showing up gives the Cavs a good advantage now. Not even an advantage. It's evening the playing field. And the way that the Raptors are scared psychologically, mentally... No one's taking them serious, even if they're the one seed. They're like that fake one seed from like a season ago. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of crazy that the Raptors are still getting sunned by LeBron. And they should be better than that. They know they're better than that. But I don't know what's going on with them. I have false hope for the Toronto Raptors right now. Because that game really destroyed me. Because I do not want... LeBron to win again, go into the conference finals again, go into the NBA finals again. It There's too much of this, man. There really needs to be change. And I believe if the Raptors are actually there, they could take the series to game five. Win four straight, take it to game five, end it. But the way that they got scared yesterday, the way that they've been playing, they missed shots last night. I'm disappointed to say the least I'm truly disappointed uh LeBron James even had a bad shooting night but he still had a triple double that's that's kind of crazy but it's LeBron I don't really expect anything less from him that's all I could really say the Raptors they have to get it together I could go on and on about that but that's all that really needs to be said because, really, if LeBron is getting... LeBron has two defenders on him, because, you know, he's LeBron. But then who's open? J.R., Kyle Culver, Tristan Thompson in for the layup. You know, he has, he has numerous shooters. If you leave him... If you, leave, if you have two people guarding him, who else is left? You can't be so hesitant to guard people. You can't be so lackadaisical where... You guard LeBron, which I understand he's a threat too. But let OG Anubi actually take care of him. He's one of the best LeBron defenders, and he's only in his rookie year so far. He could shut him down decently. But man, the Raptors, you can't just let him give it to shooters like that because that's LeBron's forte, in the Cavs at least. That's his forte. Dragging the defense towards him while giving room for the good looks to the shooters. Or easy three points. That's it. That's really all he does. And if he, and if like he get past a defender, he does. He goes through them. He does a spin move, and basically dunks it all over DeRozan. That's what he does. You gotta like you gotta actually like zone defense. Not even zone defense. Oh my lord, that's horrible. I'm sorry, but keep to your man. Keep up with the switches. Confuse LeBron. That's like. You gotta be careful, Raptors. You really gotta be careful. 
Um, I could go into the Warriors in New Orleans game, but as soon as Steph Curry hit that his first three after coming back from injury, I knew in my heart that I was like, it's for naught. The Pelicans are down two games. I really love the Pelicans, and I believe that even with Boogie, you know, they would give the Warriors a run for it, but I don't know if they would take it. Anthony Davis, he actually scratched that. So, from what I was reading, um, apparently the Warriors had like 53 field goals. Uh, free throws, I'm sorry. Foul calls that make free throws. While the Pelicans only got 20. I don't understand how the refs are really refing this because I know the refs have been atrocious this entire playoff season. But my God, how are you going to award the Warriors 53 free throws? I mean, 53 fouls. While Anthony Davis only gets like 20. Not even Anthony Davis, the Pelicans. But then who's Anthony Davis, one of the unguardable big men in the league? How are they not getting foul calls? That's ridiculous. And even at the end, even if, you know, it was like, what, 117 to 121? You see Rondo has the ball. At least has his two hands on the ball. Well, I don't know why that ref did not call that jump ball. I do not believe why. Actually, I, I do not understand why the ref, he just said no. He just nodded no. Like, I understand you want to go home. I understand that. But you're refing a playoff game. At least take it seriously, goddammit. I don't get why. I do not. I actually don't know if Steph got a flagrant one for tripping over Anthony Davis. That was something that was, like, underly looked at. But Steph tripped Anthony Davis. I don't understand how in the world did Draymond and AD both get a, t- a technical foul for Draymond dragging Anthony Davis on the ground and rolling him over like as if he's a camping bag? How did they both get technicals for it? Man, Draymond, I've already hated him before. I hate Zaza Pachulia for obvious reasons. But man, the Warriors can be s- dirty. And I understand that they, I don't believe they called it yet, but Steph Curry tripping Anthony Davis... That wasn't even looked at. And I know he's an NBA golden boy, but my lord. The Warriors are getting away with a lot of like bad calls. Not even calls. They're getting away with bad plays. I don't like it at all. I kind of despise the Warriors because of how arrogant they are. And because the snake joined them. But my god. What can I say? Uh, the Pelicans, they need to do a better job. I guess like giving the ball to AD. Um, Drew Holiday, he needs to shoot better. That's all I can really say. But I'm hoping they at least steal a game or two. Not counting on it, but I hope they do. I'm really in love with the Pelicans. I want to see what they do in the offseason. That's all I really want to see. Because they have great chemistry right now, and I want to see how that chemistry holds up with Boogie, but we'll have to see, you know? Uh... What the game was on last night. Um, there's a game going on right now. There's actually a couple games. I believe it's 76ers and Celtics. Which I believe Celtics are going to take that. Like, not the game, the series. Because of Brad Stevens. But I'll divulge into that later on. Right now, i got to get some rest. Do some homework. 
but I hope you guys really enjoyed this podcast. I know I rambled on a lot about the head coaching search for the Knicks, the Thunder situation, Carmelo especially, but I'll go into more depth with the playoffs. You know, I love watching these games. They get me pumped up a little too much. You know, that Cavaliers game really destroyed me, but I really hope you guys stick with me because, you know, I love talking about the NBA. I love talking in general. Um... I'm really hoping for the Knicks' great moves in the offseason. You know, we're down to three candidates. I already mentioned them. I'm just really excited about the future of the NBA. I'm really hoping for the Warriors to collapse. I'm hoping for LeBron to leave the Cavaliers. I really want to see how New Orleans is going to really pan out. The Pacers. I actually want to see what the Wizards are going to do since they always have team meetings. That's a hilarious factor. But, yeah. This is Anik Ahmed, who is running the Benchwarmer. A podcast all about the NBA. And I hope you guys stay tuned. Bye.